comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and as always this is Abe. Hello. Out now is a film podcast with Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We also bring a discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to past films similar to our main film of the week, games and other fun stuff. This is episode 96 and we are talking about Olympus Has Fallen, the first of two White House-related diehard-type scenarios coming out this year. And this one, of course, stars Gerard Butler, Morgan Freeman, and Aaron Eckhart. Joining us to discuss Olympus Has Fallen, we have, from Mendelssohn's Memos and the Huffington Post, running for Secretary of Agriculture next term, Scott Mendelson. I love farming. <laughs> How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing pretty well. Great. Okay, so uh, let's get to let's get to a few few, few things first here. Um yeah, well, some announcements. Uh, 100th episode. I'll keep saying it because it's going to keep coming closer. It's getting, yeah. It's uh, it's only only a few episodes away now. I believe that'll be Oblivion is when we is our 100th episode. Just just saying. So expect well, expect something post apocalyptic coming your way. I guess. <laughs> a radar. I don't know. That that's not the, that's not the thing I would have thought of concerning <laughs> a post apocalyptic universe. Because we got to find out if the if the meteor is going to hit Earth, so we got to have like some kind of space radar. I was thinking like a, like a sweet Wally jib jab thing or something, but Wally. But yeah, that's coming soon. So just expect awesomeness, and then you can tune into our podcast and see what we have to do. Um, I put up a few things on face on the old Facebook page. Uh, so here's the first. The first one, favorite movie featuring the White House. And we had a few, uh, few answers here. We had a, uh, I can't say this name. Abe, you got it. Rui, Ru. It's Ray. Ray. Yeah. R U I. Ray. Yep. Thank yeah. you. Okay. Ray gone. Uh, she chose Olympus has fallen. Um, Izzy put in Independence Day. Of course. Welcome to Earth. He told me to say it like that, and <laughs> he spelled it that way. He did. And as people, yeah. as people, people, people familiar with the Facebook page know, I'll just, I'll just read things. I'll just read it how I'm told to do it. Just keep that in mind, <laughs> listeners. Um, uh, Joe Jans put Die Hard Four Point uh, It's the, it's the, it's the international name of the movie, so I'll go with it. And uh, Nick Wang put Air Force One. There you go. They, they were... Wait, did Live Free or Die Hard involve the White House? If there's a shot of the White House, I think in that movie. <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe the ca- maybe just the Capitol building, but I'll give it, I'll give it a bit of it out. I'll say I'll say, okay. I'll, I'll okay. say I maybe saw the White House in that movie. <laughs> no, I think I did it in like Timothy Oliphant's like weird like video of like this is the bad things that happened, so now we're taking over part. It like puts there together all those clips of things. We blew up the Capitol. Just kidding. Yeah, gotcha. That's what that's what we said. <laughs> Remember, classic Tim Oliphant. Classic Timothy. Oliphant. That's why that's that's why that, that's why that movie's Oliphantastic. I'm telling you. Oh. Okay, so let's. I guess you let's... can say that it's justified. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just go. Okay, let's move on. Um, let's see. Uh, actually, Abe, this is something special. I forgot, I almost forgot to bring this up. 
this is our officially this is actually our two year anniversary of doing this show. Yes, it is. Yes. We started it out two years ago doing a certain movie awesome that is the Aaron subject. Movie. <laughs> it's a certain subject of our, ironic. of our current yeah, we did do an Aaron Eckhart Quince, movie. Coincidental, I should say coincidental. It is. It fits in line of our of our special Skyfall Blu ray contest. It's still ongoing. Uh, for people that, you know, and it's nice because we have listeners that have written in even though they know they've won already, so they know they can't win this prize necessarily, but I do have an email concerning it. But first, I'll just reiterate, Skyfall Blu-ray contest, you can win a copy of Skyfall on Blu-ray, which also has a DVD, a digital copy. If you answer these questions at outnowpodcast.gmail.com, what was our first episode and did you like that movie? And what was the first episode you listened to? Mm-hmm. And we had... Pretty easy. Yeah, it is pretty easy. And we had a... a um, Submission. Submission from Matthew Marks. He said he already won a contest, so he, he's not eligible for this. Good thinking there. Honesty is the best policy. It is. But he thought he'd email anyway. His, our first episode was blank. He never saw the movie. Uh, that is also the first episode he listened to. He was led to the HHW LED network by listening to the Walking Dead TV podcast, and he has the compulsive habit of listening to the old episodes of a podcast when he starts listening to it. So he listened to the earliest episodes iTunes had. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we would like to thank Google for letting us record. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that he stuck with us clearly because he knows that we've gotten better. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, listening to the earliest episodes, which included our first episode, he assumes it was retro- retroactively released on the HHW LOD feed after we joined the network, which is true. That is correct. Uh huh. And um, hmm, I don't even know if the contest is still open. I'm behind on podcasts because I spent the last week in Cabo San Lucas in Mexico hanging out with the whales and stingrays. So glad you're back. Glad you did not get stung by a stingray. Or I'm raided. glad that you freed. That's a pretty good use of your time. Or raided by a stingray. The people people think they get stung, but sometimes they get raided, and that's even worse. That's hmm. that's not a real thing. I'm just gonna raid. <laughs> people don't people don't write <laughs> like, in angry emails. I was worried about getting raided when I was in Cabo San. Marine biologists will write in angrily. <laughs> Classic marine biologists always writing into out now apparently. Those jokers. Yeah. Anyway, our Skyfall contest is ongoing for the time being, and I even have. There's gonna be more contests coming soon, especially because we have a hundredth episode coming up, and I know I have other great prizes. And there's already a contest out right now as well for GI Joe: Rise of Cobra. There is. There we did release a GI Joe: Rise of Cobra commentary, which did feature Scott Mendelson as well as our other frequent frequent commentary guests, Jordan Grad and Jim Dietz, and that was a lot of fun. So that's... I see what side you're rooting for, Mendelssohn. And and we all... Yes. (laughs) And I always tend to plug a random contest at the end of those commentaries. So uh, if you you tune into that, you could could probably win something for yourself. Um, Let's see. Yeah, so outnowpodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can email us. Uh, Last thing, iTunes reviews and ratings. It's fun to get those. We like getting them. So, uh, you know, log on and... uh, Help help us out, help the show. But more importantly, just tell a friend. That's how you, that's the yeah. best way to get get listeners, right? Just just tell a friend. Tell a friend. You know what? Actually, we have one more thing on on the old Facebook page. I forgot all this almost. Um, I put out a uh, who, what movies have people seen recently? Because I like that feature. That's just fun to to point out what our what our listeners are up to. And uh, Manish Mather, he put admission. He liked it. He said seven out of ten, funny, touching, but it felt underwritten. I'd agree that it felt underwritten because I, I didn't really like that movie that much. But good on you. I'd rather people enjoy a movie than like come out just angry. So there you go. All right, moving on. Let's get to know everybody. Where each week we ask each other a few questions and try to set the tone for the podcast. We better get to know everybody. And I'm going to let Abe start this one out this week. Cool. Scott. Yes. You've been chosen to write the next Gerard Butler action movie. What do you title your work? Uh... <laughs> well, first I forgot what kind of action movie I want to put him in. Um, 
I just watched the Rock and Roll a sequel, honestly, and that's what I... <laughs> Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Olympus has fallen to Siege in Scotland. So we can actually keep his actual Siege accent for once. Scotland. Yeah, He's yeah. Like, I got I got it. Yeah, yeah. The president the president goes to Scotland. Aaron Eckhart, he gets reelected. And it's where he lives. Why? And uh, <laughs> and, and he takes Gerard Butler with him and they go to the Scottish Highlands to visit the, the burnt remains of Skyfall. And uh <laughs> and hostages come. <laughs> Uh, featuring the return of like Christopher Lambert, right? Or maybe maybe Gerard Butler was revealed to be the enemy this time around. It was all like a whole, oh, it was all a whole ploy, and he's been he's Scottish, he's Scottish all along. Plan not to get caught the whole time. Well, it was a very it was a big inconvenience that this whole terrorist thing happens. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. But it made him least likely to be the guy that would have to go against the president in a sequel. Uh, it's actually Mike O. Banning. It's not Mike. <laughs> I want this to be true. Now uh, you know what my allegiance is live, Mr. President. It could be like Patriot Games. That was my, Scottish, that was my Scottish joke. I guess he's Irish in that movie. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your turn's good. Ah, crap. Um, <laughs> uh, let me think. Um, oh. Of all these sounds. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Aaron. Yeah. Since the North Koreans are already getting kind of old as the new ethnic villain of choice, who should be the ne- next ethnic villain of choice in action films in the next 10 years? Uh, the residents of the Galapagos Islands. Okay. Read my mind, buddy. Crushed it. Got it. Done. Uh, that, exactly. I feel like. Giant- I feel tortoises. like there's a contingent right there that needs to be seen. Like the underwater people of the Galapagos Islands that live with the tortoises under the sea. Galapagos <laughs> Islands square pants. Um, all of that. <laughs> uh, Abe. Abe. Yes. Favorite movie president. Oh, man. Bill Pullman, hands down. Yes, that's the right yeah. answer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Did you not... Feel so invigorated by that Independence Day speech. I'm always invigorated by that. Independence. I can, by the way, that is exactly my answer that I have to that question. So that's why we do this podcast because we're in sync. <laughs> and also, like he plays a, a president in a somewhat serious kind of goofy movie, and he plays him straight. He, you know, he fires his Secretary of Defense, and then his wife passes away. Spoiler alert! And it's just, <laughs> <laughs> we really got to like, coin the idea of saying spoiler alert before we before, use the yeah. And he's a fighter pilot who goes back into action to serve Mr. the world. Mr. President, can, you, can I ask you what you're doing? I'm a fighter pilot, Jim. <laughs> Does it belong? I belong in the sky. <laughs> won't go qu- Does anyone have any more missiles? <laughs> late, Mr. President. Let's just do all of Independence Day. <laughs> we'll, we'll, let's just do it. Let's Clear get, the roads, let's, buddies. Let's get like four of us. Though, like, let's just get, like, four or five of us. We'll get copies of the Independence Day script and we'll just do a collective reading of it. And we'll release, we'll release it in like 30 segment parts. 30, 30, min, 30 minute parts over the course of four weeks. I think that's actually a great idea. That's we an start amazing doing... idea. What if we did something like that? We just get the script for every movie that we want to do and just redo it. Yeah, Jason Reitman could suck it because we're doing a live reading on the podcast <laughs> but that's a great question but yeah bill pullman um all right that was that was so much patter <laughs> all right aaron yes. you've been chosen to write the next gerard butler romantic comedy Wait. what do you title your work what do i title my work let's see romantic comedy with gerard butler let's see uh kiss my blarney stone that'd be the name of it <laughs> and it'd be, wait a minute 
I know, but he, I know he's Scottish, yeah. and that's Irish. But he'd be, he would be, he would be, um, he, he'd be, he'd be. Uh, I, I can't think of an Irish actress, but he'd obviously be like a, a big, a, like a befuddled, very kind of annoyed uh, tour guide at the Blarney Stone in Ireland. But he'd, he'd have, he'd have a Scottish accent. <laughs> And he, like, he'd like meet... the first time that's been a romantic comedy about a tour guide. He'd meet, he'd meet the girl of his dreams, and but she'd like get into some kind of like crazy situation where like she gets stuck kissing the Barney Stone or something, and so he spends the whole day like serenading her while she her like lips are like stuck on it. It's like crazy because it's like really cold. This, or something. this is probably played the best by Amy guy. Yazbek. Amy, <laughs> wow, Amy Yazbek back. It's <laughs> uh, an Irish actress. Why can't I think of one? Well, I can think of a Scottish one that could probably be an Irish woman. It's like McDonald's? Kelly McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. She's good in everything. Uh, really? Are right. they, hold on. Are there no uh, Irish actresses like it? I looked it up, but Amy Yazbek's the only one I recognized. Uh, Olivia Wilde? No, that's not right. No, uh, maybe Irish ancestry. Uh, it's plenty of Irish actors. Everyone else. Is a tough one. Everyone else is old. Er. <laughs> it's safe. Because I don't think the I don't think the Brenda Flicka card is gonna like work anymore. <laughs> well, we'll come back to that. Or can... Oh wait, 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 wait! Ivana Lynch from Harry Potter. All right, reaching a bit, but I like it. Let's do it. <laughs> She's probably legal at this point, which is all you need to be in Hollywood. Or it could not be a romantic comedy. It involves Saoirse Ronan. I think she's Irish. And uh... is she really Irish? That'd be awesome. Yes, she is. Yeah, boom! There you go. Oh, there you go. It's, Even better. It's her. It's his cousin, and like the host part four. The host because <laughs> there are three parts. You know, it's a romantic comedy one, all right. but it's not face yet. Moving on in our longest segment of No Everybody of all time, <laughs> uh, Scott. Yes. Which cast member from The West Wing would you like to see in a similar scenario as Olympus Has Fallen? As the hero? As the, yeah. yeah as a, as a oh, Toby. Yes! <laughs> yes! I'm expecting that! Yeah. Be <laughs> he, like, rips off his sleeves and, like, gunned down underneath. He's the most aloof but quietly upset guy. He'd be like, I'm surprised. I'm here. Now! <laughs> uh, Richard Schiff's back and better than ever. Uh-oh. You just see him, like, take off his, like, his cap. He, like, takes out a straight razor and just shaves off his beard. He's I want like, just... No, no, he's gotta keep the beard. He's no. remotely dignified with the beard, without the beard. I want to see, like, a series of funnier die videos that have each cast member trying out for Olympus Has Fallen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that'd be excellent. Uh, all right. One more, Scott. Oh, man. Terrible. <laughs> um, let's see. Hmm. I think we've had all correct answers so far, by the way. <laughs> In the subjective game that is no everybody. <laughs> okay, here's one. What the hell? Uh, 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 Abe, your yeah. least favorite movie president. Least favorite movie president? Yeah. Mm. Oh, God, Has Ian McDowell ever been the president of the United States before? Who? Sorry? Ian McDowell. Ian McDowell. Probably Ian not. McDowell? Who's Ian McDowell? Wait, am I... Never mind. Who are you thinking of? I don't know. Malcolm McDowell. Wait, Malcolm? 
I'm, yeah, Malcolm McDowell. No, he has not been a president because he's very. He, he's never attempted an American accent in his life. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, good on him for that. Because yeah. I just watched Community and he was guest starring in that episode. I was like, I don't think he'd be a really good president. Malcolm McDowell. Uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say GI Joe because <laughs> just, just, I just president. brought it up in the commentary, which is like the guy is clearly like Scottish or Irish. <laughs> it's just like why would you have him playing an American president? Every, yeah, Jonathan Price. Everybody <laughs> knows he's British. Exactly. Uh, and he occasionally falls into his British accent in the film, which yeah. I think is just awesome. When he says, uh, you're insane in the trailer for the new one, it's just like, you can totally hear it. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons I love that movie. They cast a British guy as a U.S. president and don't even pretend to hide the fact that he's actually British. I thought I thought William Devane in The Dark Knight Rises was pretty lame as the president. Just yeah, like, why, why is William Devane here? <laughs> uh, anyhow. Great question. I think that concludes everybody. I think Gene Ackman's been president like a couple times. Has he been? Yeah, he was in like a Clint Eastwood movie, and I think he's in. He was president in that, yes. ter- that terrible Ray Romano movie. Welcome to Newsport. Um, I think he's a senator. <laughs> he was like no, he was former president in that movie. Oh, okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. No, but he was definitely president in executive power. That was a Clint Eastwood one. Yeah. All right. I've, welcome to Mooseport, I like to think, is like similar to how like Sean Hannery like quit acting after LXG. I'd like to think that Gene's such a terrible time to welcome to Mooseport that he just quit acting, and that's why we haven't seen him. Because he, hate, he, he hates Raymond as much as I do. <laughs> but his mom is so nice. Who's president at Vantage Point? Uh, William Hurt. William Hurt, okay. Oh, is it William Hurt? Wait, who's Dennis Quaid? Oh, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid's a Secret Service agent guy who looks really angry, like very constant, yes. like constipated angry. <laughs> And I love. Has everyone here seen Vantage Point? By the way, I haven't, but I read the spoiler. It's a okay. Okay, I love that. If you really think about that movie, what's the spoiler for it? I remember, like, what? Oh, 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 who's evil? Who's who's the who's the twenty four mole? Exactly. (laughs) Which you could figure out just by watching the trailer. Hmm, Who else doesn't belong here? But anyway, if you go by the chronology of the movie, Dennis Quaid immediately figures out who the bad guy is, like ten seconds after the plot goes down. It just we don't because of the chronology being screwed up till about an hour and a half into the movie. Yeah. But anyway, well, carry on. All right, so that's that's no everybody special extended edition of no everybody. Let's do the awesome edition. I don't know what you're talking about. I, Indeed. I didn't say it wasn't awesome. I just said extended. <laughs> maybe maybe a little more extensive than extended. Hmm. That's my. That's Oliver Platt's attorney from the West Wing would be awesome in Olympus Has Fallen too. As attorney general. Well, the guy, the attorney that that that. He was their attorney during the old uh, multiple sclerosis bit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oliver Platt. I just finished that season. Um, Moving on, let's do some out now quickies. To you, out now quickies. We like to review one movie a week on this show, but there's a lot of movies that come out, and we like to see a lot of things. So we like to have a little segment where we can devote a little time to uh, the other things that we've seen this week on out now quickies. To you. Eventually, I'll write something down for that segment, but I like doing it this way. <laughs> Abe, have you seen anything else this week? No, I haven't. Good, quick, simple. Scott, Boom. have you seen anything else this week? I ain't seen crap. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> good, good on you for that. Um, let's see. I already, I think I mentioned Admission. I saw that like a few weeks ago, but now it's finally out so I can talk about it a little more. But I don't really have much to say because it's a very bland movie, so there you go. Oh. But I will shout out, and this is more of a games thing. I finished Tomb Raider this week, 
And it's a really good game for people. The new one. The new one. They they really Batman begins Laura Croft in this Tomb Raider. It's very well done. And so her clothes start ripping like as the game progresses and stuff. <laughs> remember, remember, remember that scene in Batman Begins when Bruce Wayne's clothes start ripping and you're like, what? Oh, oh I thought you meant like Arkham Asylum. I'm, I don't know what else that means. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean in terms of like what they've done to reboot the character, I think there's some good writing going on there and a strong vocal performance. And I believe she did motion capture too. So uh, by uh, Cam- Cam- Camilla Ludington, who people might know from, I guess, True Blood and Californication. I think she's on Grey's Anatomy. So, um, so there you go. Uh, Tomb Raider, good game. Cool. Just saying. That's on no cookies. TM. Let's do a little movie trailer talk. I paused thinking that there'd be some kind of like noise. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not supposed to say anything, am I? <laughs> We should have some kind of jingle for movie trailer talk. Eh, no. <laughs> I think we should. We should have the guy, the the guy that passed away, actually, the in a world where the movie trailer is released every week, like something like that. That'd be crazy. I think we'd have to owe royalties somehow. No, we we just do it ourselves, like we do every other jingle for our segments. We have in a our... world where too many movie trailers are released every single week. One podcast has the courage to only discuss two of them. You see, we'll just say Scott Mendelson, everybody. We'll, Scott Mendelson. We'll just save that. We'll just save that audio bit. We're done. <laughs> We're done. Save. Put it in the bank. Okay, we got. We talk about trailers every week. Here's a couple new ones that we're gonna discuss right now. The first one is for Turbo. This is Cars Snails Edition. Um, I believe it's, it's DreamWorks. Features Ryan Reynolds as a snail who gets ejected with nitrous or something of that nature. It becomes the fastest damn snail in the West. I don't know what the fastest damn snail of the East is, but I'm sure there's probably a counterpart for Turbo 2 that they're saving up. Sequel. <laughs> yep, there you go. Turbo 2 still turbo with. Um, Abe, what did you think for the trailer of Turbo? I thought it was funny. <laughs> I think that it's lighthearted fun. And I like Ryan Reynolds as a voice actor. I also just like Ryan Reynolds, I think, more than more than Aaron does uh, in general. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's better than, like, you know, what Pixar's coming out with. I think it's, like, Planes. So, um, Plain, yeah. it was like they Toy Story 2'd it, where it was going to be like a direct-to-DVD thing, and then they was like, let's do this in theaters, guys! Mm, yeah, but I, I think that it's, uh, you know, good-humored fun for, for children of all ages and for adults. Scott? Eh. That was, unfortunately, that was my reaction. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like a riff on, you know, Cars meets Ratatouille. Um in terms of, you know, a character trying to, you know, I want to be this. My family says I can't be this, but I want to do this and still make my family proud of me, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, the racing angle is an attempt to capture all of that Cars merchandise. Uh, billions and billions and billions worth. Um, I have nothing against Ryan Reynolds. I actually think he's a pretty decent actor. But it looks like a very generic movie. And, frankly, it looks like the kind of movie that people who diss DreamWorks out of and accuse them of making every time out. I don't know. Um, I didn't hear too many pop culture references in this movie. But I mean, it just sort yes. of... Yeah. <clears throat> and, again, I, 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 my feeling was just, eh. Um, and it, it's weird, with, with if I may digress for ten seconds, that, that Fox is now distributing the DreamWorks films, because they're going to have, like, half of all animated output in any given year. Between their own work, you know, Epic, which looks worse every every time they cut a trailer for it, so stop cutting trailers for that. <laughs> um, the first one was awesome, but the more everybody talks, the less interested I am. Yeah, kind of like that Just, Disney movie Dinosaur. Yes, exactly. Uh, that was exactly my thought. <laughs> they're like they're like, oh, those dinosaurs look great. Oh, they oh they talk. They talk. <laughs> and there's comic relief sidekick. Oh, darn it. Uh, 
Um, who's, the lead, anyway. who's the lead in Dinosaur? Is it like Tate Donovan or something like that? Or no, D.B. Sweeney. I think it's D.B. Sweeney. Yes. Yeah, it is, Sweeney? it is D.B. Sweeney. Say it ain't so, Joe. Spawn's D.B. Sweeney? Sp- yes. Eight the outs- cutting edge is D.B. Sweeney. Eight, eight men out's D.B. Sweeney. Say it ain't so, <laughs> say it ain't so <laughs> Joe. Oh, my goodness, Scott. That was like an awesome movie I saw when I was like eight. Okay. Yeah, I saw it when I was 12 at a sneak preview that I had no idea what I was going to. If you could, if you could write all all of the movie references we make this week and send it to outnowpodcast.gmail.com, I'll send you a copy of something. <laughs> <laughs> We'll pull the money and buy you Dinosaur on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, I was feeling good. If you're actually going to pull out all the references that we've made so far, you're like the the best fan that we have. I, I, yeah. <laughs> We're talking to you. I'm pointing my finger at the microphone. <laughs> okay. um, my thoughts on Turbo. Um, yeah, I it's not one that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see it, but it did make me chuckle a few times. I think the voice cast is fun here. Ryan Reynolds. Abe's correct. I'm not a huge fan of Ryan Reynolds, although I do like him in more dramatic type roles. But as a snail, whatever, he, he made me laugh a few times. I like Paul Giamatti. I like the idea that mainly because I was like, yep, that's Paul Giamatti, all right. <laughs> it's like that's, that's what he sounds like as a talking snail. And um, yeah, I, I, I from the initial trailer that was like didn't have what's going on in the story. I didn't know what to expect, so I was kind of intrigued when I was like, oh, this is what's going on in this movie. All right. And so as long as it's not, like, dreadfully long and just full of filler information like Cars was, I think this might be fun. So if it's, like, 90 minutes opposed to 110 minutes like the first Cars movie, I'd be down with that. But, uh, the first Cars was 116 minutes, which is still the longest American cartoon ever made. Seriously? Man. Yeah. I did not know that. How long was Cars 2? Uh, about the same length, give or take. Okay, but at least there was things going on in that movie. Opposed- yes. Oh, my God. Owen Wilson cannot learn the damn lesson already? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> anyway, Turbo um, comes out July 17th, 2013. What else comes What's the big thing that comes out with that? It's not Wolverine. It should be Man of Steel, but it's not. It, it should be. It's not. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next trailer. Next trailer we're going to talk about is the second trailer, the newest trailer for After Earth, the... The Smiths and Sons new film with director M. Night Shyamalan at the at the head of the ship, and this time around we got to see a lot more of the uh, actual trailer. We got to see, uh, or sorry, about more of the actual story, what's going on in this film. And I will say that I'm still on board. And I know Scott probably. Scott, what do you think of the trailer? I think it looks like a good, solid, decent, original science fiction programmer. Um, Will Smith generally makes good movies when he tries. And heck, even sometimes when he doesn't, like Men in Black 3, um, which despite all their efforts turned out to be a pretty good movie. It was very But good. anyway. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was one of the biggest surprises of last year. But That's anyway, right. Um, it is kind of weird to see an M. Night Shyamalan film that seems so straightforward. I don't even mean about, ooh, there's a big twist or anything like that. Um, I have my theories on that, but I'm not going to share them here. But um, again, it just feels like a very... It's a very much, you know, I'm sure it is, it's a work-for-hire gig. It's a way to show that I can still do what you think I used to be able to do. Um, and I'm very excited about the idea of M. Night Shyamalan cheating up with Will Smith because they're both, you know, they both can tell each other no. You know, M. Night Shyamalan desperately needs somebody that he had at Disney that would say, no, this is a good idea, this is not. Use this, don't use this. And once he left Disney, that's when his films started to go downhill because, you know, he went to Warner Brothers and Fox and Paramount and there was nobody there to say, this is not a good idea. He was always by far the most powerful person on the set. And I like the idea of him working with Will Smith where he will not be the most powerful person on the set. Um, as of the film, it looks good. It looks maybe very good. But again, it feels very 
standard, very cut and dry, and I'm kind of curious if there's more to it than that. But I will be there as soon as I can. Yep. Yeah, I certainly feel as though uh, this second trailer kind of just makes me want to see the film even more, just to see. Uh, I'm still kind of on board with there's going to be a twist kind of thing, um, but I know that it wasn't written by M. Night Shyamalan, so maybe there won't be. It's just going to be straightforward like what Scott was saying. But I, I am very curious to see what's going on. I think that we have a better scope of why they why the son has to venture out, um, and he's kind of like a loose cannon. This kind of reminds me of, um, you know, Hyper is almost like a movie that that is the same, you know, like Capote and, you know, I think last year you had the Hitchcock films. This kind of makes me vibe, or kind of vibes with uh, uh, Ender's Game a little bit. Somewhat, not not heavily, but um, kind of just makes me think of that. The other thing that I was uh, thinking is the the speech in this movie is is kind of um, uh, what's that one where Flat Atlas? It kind of reminds me of Flat Atlas because it sounds as though they're kind of cutting some some uh, gerunds off and some other things off. So I'm kind of interested to see that aspect. But uh, yeah, on the whole, I'm, I'm excited to see the movie. I'm still I'm on board with this for sure, and uh, it just looks like a like a like a good action sci-fi movie, and I'm I'm still like the idea that Will Smith's name is Cipher Rage in this movie. <laughs> that's, that's the kind of thing that gets me on board. It's like yeah, cool day, man. Like it's the Max Power way, you know. I'm just gonna go for it and watch it. Um, I have faith in Chayabon as a director, and the fact that he's not the sole screenwriter makes me have more faith in this film. I'm not dependent on a twist or anything, really. Shyamalan hasn't had a movie for twist since The Village, so I mean, it's not not really something I think is a, a necessity oh, to enjoy point. his films. I, I mean, so it, it, that's that's not that's not here or there. I'm just excited to see this movie in general. I mean, between Pain and Gain and After Earth, I'm excited to see movies from directors that you normally wouldn't be like. I can't wait to see movies from these guys because they never screwed up before. But here we go. <laughs> so, yeah, After Earth comes out June seventh. Right in the the midst of summer blockbuster season's beginning. So there you go. Let's move on now to uh, our main film review for Olympus Has Fallen. Give me the Pentagon on the line now. Olympus Has Fallen. Olympus Has Fallen. Mr. Speaker, you are the acting president. I want to speak for the Russians, the Chinese, the British, and the French. In that order. If you attempt to retake this building... I will execute your commander-in-chief. Oh, my God. We have contact from inside the White House. Identify yourself. 309er. Jesus, Banning? Is this the same guy that was removed from the president's detail? He is ex-special forces. Forty commandos breached the gate, 28 are left. Can we trust him? With all due respect, I'm the best hope you've got. Okay, so that should have been some of the trailer for Olympus Has Fallen. This is the new film starring Gerard Butler as a Secret Service agent who is relieved of duty after the president, after the first lady and the president are involved in an auto collision and, or accident, whatever. And no collision, I was right, auto collision and hot uh, college. And uh, the first lady dies, but Gerard Butler manages to save the president. The president obviously can't forgive this heinous act of protecting the president's life and not saving the first lady. So Gerard Butler is working somewhere else now. Meanwhile. North Korea suddenly invade the White House, take the president and most of his most of his uh, his cabinet hostage within the in the underground White House bunker that we're sure there is. And actually, I believe that is true. <laughs> There's some kind of bunker in the White House. If it's in this movie, I have to believe it. That's true. Gerard Butler sees this going on and just runs to the White House, and he's, he becomes the last man standing in a fight to rescue the president, stop the North Koreans led by an evil Rick Yoon, 
And meanwhile, Morgan Freeman's at the Pentagon. He's the Speaker of the House. He's like, oh, what do we got to do? Gerard Butler's the only one we have. Q Scott's fine. But there's one thing they didn't count on. <laughs> so, with all this said, Scott Mendelson, what did you think of Olympus Has Fallen? I more or less enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a nice return to form for Roland Emmerich, and I think Jamie Foxx makes the next... Oh, wait. Which one? <laughs> Never mind. Um, that, that's, that's the Jewish White House movie. The other White House confusing. Movie. No, no, seriously. Um, I liked it. I thought it was a solid B movie. Um, I it certainly is more of a diehard film than the last diehard movie. Damn straight. Um, for whatever that's worth. Um, I think Gerald Butler makes a perfectly fine sort of generic action hero, and you know you don't really need to be particularly interesting in these kind of films. You just have to be able to kill a bunch of people, and he kills a lot of people in this film. Um, it is unapologetically R-rated. Uh, the opening seed scene is one of the most incredibly violent scenes I've ever seen in a mainstream picture. Um, it just goes on forever and ever and ever, and pretty much everyone dies. Yeah. Um, there's pretty there's much like, all of DC is dead. There's like a wave of secret service agents that just run out and get yeah. blasted down. <laughs> it's um, and it's just the, 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 again, I cannot overstate how just astonishing the, first act worth of violence in this film is. And unfortunately, by, you know, by default, the film peaks at that point. You know, after the siege occurs, then it's somewhat more of a generic, you know, Gerard Butler sneaking through the White House, occasionally killing somebody, it, while the terrorists go, and they menace hostages, occasionally shoot one, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all at, at night, and it's dark at that point, so you can yes. see compared to the, the bright lit and... The brightly, bright lit, brightly lit, crazy action violence that's going on during the day in D.C. on yes. the White House lawn. Oh, I, I'm sure Antoine, am I pronouncing his name Antoine, right? Antoine Fuqua? Fuqua. 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 I'm sure he, you know, finished shooting that scene. He's like, how much money do we have left? Oh, no. So. <laughs> I, I was wondering that during that scene, actually. We're going yeah. dark. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, I mean, a lot of people have been whining about the CGI in the, the last two-thirds of the film. And it's like. It's a movie. It's a B movie about you know Die Hard in the White House. I don't need perfect special effects. I'm happy at what they attempted to do, regardless of how well they pulled it off all the time. Um, I will say that the writing is very thin. Um, considering the terrific cast of actors they accumulated, they're given very little to do, and I genuinely felt bad for Melissa Leo. Uh, yes. I don't know if we want to go into spoilers or not, but not so dear much. God, a Oscar winner should not have to do that for a paycheck. Um. I think Rick Thune, Yoon you, or Thune? Yoon. Uh, he's not a particularly interesting villain. Nope. And I think that's a problem with the film. You need a more dynamic heavy. Um, you know, the most interesting about him is that he's North Korean. Ooh. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know if this is a spoiler terror or not, so I'm going to be very vague. But there is another villainous character played by a somewhat well-known actor that overacts as much as humanly possible and is very entertaining. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he is. <laughs> um... I mean, he's, he's apparently had a lot of practice doing that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but no, ops. I mean, it's... What was that? Covert ops, man. Yes, exactly. Um, but no, you, you, you want to see an incredibly violent R-rated action film with blood and gore galore about, you know, Die Hard in the White House? That's what you get. I mean, I, I wish the movie were better written. I wish the action was a bit more creative in the last two-thirds. Um... I frankly have some moral qualms about the sheer callousness of the violence, but that's neither here nor there. But you get what you pay for. 
And I can't imagine anyone going to this film knowing what they're walking into being disappointed. And that's the end for now. Uh, I thought that it was an enjoyable film as well. I, I basically am pretty much on board with Scott, even though I got some of the similar points. Um, I felt as though the storyline was uh, as, as unbelievable as it was. I think that it kind of uh, falls in line with the, a, a notion that we're going to be attacked by the North Koreans. Kind of responds back to Scott's earlier question and know everybody, as well as you know the movie Red Dawn. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what the reasoning is behind that, considering that, you know, they're, they're a fairly small country and we could probably easily take them out. Um, they, they're just really angry. Yeah. They, they apparently, yeah. But, uh, yeah. The North Korean market is not, doesn't matter for international box office. Otherwise yeah. they make it the Chinese. Oh, <laughs> I also found that funny a little bit later. I guess we'll discuss, uh, some of the international relations of the film, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I think I think that the the early opening or opening action sequences were really fantastic, including like this RPG that goes into like this door and you see these three bodies flying, uh, which I thought was amazing, um, as well as some of these, uh, you know, just bunch of glass everywhere because these giant two ton like garbage trucks have these miniguns in them, uh, uh, but yeah, later it kind of dwindles down the action kind of dwindles down and i was kind of hoping for some more uh some more intense action as well as maybe um more more frequent uh, it doesn't feel as though it kind of uh i know that he's got to play a cat and mouse game uh gerard bartley has to but it just feels as though it kind of dwindles and you know there are some moments where it peaks a little bit especially like some interrogation scenes um which i was hoping that there would be more of and it is quite dark um so that's a bummer and Rick Yoon, there was like, <laughs> I was watching this with a friend of mine, and when he takes off his glasses, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, he's a he, bad he, he did. I did the same thing. Me and Scott, yeah, yeah. Scott and I saw the movie together, and when he took his glasses off, and the music got dramatic, I made that. I was like, oh, he's actually wearing contacts. I could never tell that he was a bad guy with his glasses on. I tried to emphasize this fact by him taking his glasses off as if that was some kind of great reveal. Let me jump in, too. I have the same thoughts as you guys. Um, I had I had the, the kind of fun you'd have at this kind of movie because it is silly, even though it's like incredibly R-rated and violent. And I do think that that, oh, that opening action sequence is like crazy intense even though it has its flaws like the cgi and it's not i mean it's a film district movie it's not like it's not the sony white house down movie that's coming out which i'm sure will have a wonderful opening hostage crisis sequence of people getting murdered like everyone really wants to see but it, for what they have it, it looks fine just because i was more shocked by how violent this movie, how violent and non-discriminate the violence was in this movie where yes. everybody's getting killed and <laughs> you guys have already made like all the same points. So really, I just want to jump into Gerard Butler because I like Butler. I like him in these kind of action roles as opposed to being saddled with Jennifer Aniston or Catherine Heigl and random romantic comedies that are terrible. And uh, so I was looking forward to seeing him in a movie like this. But I was – and as much as I think he's capable as an action star, I do think he does like good physical work in this movie. I, he's there, There's nothing else really to him once he gets in the White House. He's just a man on a mission and there's no – I don't necessarily need that kind of dry wit that something like Bruce Willis in the first Die Hard has, but I feel like there could have been something there. And he really doesn't have much to do besides like that one like interrogation scene that you brought up, Abe. Like, it's, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't do enough to like kind of be I mean, be a, be a charismatic figure opposed to just a guy that's fighting for his country. Like that's all we really yeah. see in him. And like, when you take a step back from that, you kind of see that you know he's basically just trying to do as much recon as possible. And then they're going to decide on what actions to take. So when you look at it from that perspective, 
yeah, he's not really doing a whole lot, actually. He's not, like, hell-bent on saving the president. It's just more of, like, let me do some recon so you guys can send in a SEAL team. Um, so, from that perspective, yes. And also, there's another point. There's another character in this movie that, you know, if it had gone a different route, I would have I would have been, oh, well, I can see certainly why their friendship matters so much and he's going to go crazy um, and kill as many, like, of these uh, soldiers as possible. But they kind of take that character out earlier, um, which I, I think is a good thing because uh, I don't really like to see. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I actually like that the the way they handle certain scenarios where they could go one way, they don't. And it's yeah. – yes, it works for the film. I think it, it kind of – for a movie that's very familiar it um, in terms of kind of like the style that it's going for in terms of being a diehard movie, it does take a, some differences in how certain characters are dispatched at what point they're dispatched or what – Mm-hmm. the direction that it goes and so like i kind of liked how i was trying to mix it up a little bit even though you can pretty much call everything by the book like in terms of like whose cast is what like i'm pretty sure robert forster is playing the paul gleason character in Die Hard, right <laughs> yeah the guy that just naysays everything is like no that's a bad idea we should do this oh no that failed on us i can't believe we didn't trust also, uh, <laughs> mr this mr nimzitsky zimsky general something like that so, yeah. yeah like say <laughs> something like robert forster is. of your command but and, uh, the the other actors of this movie because it does have a good cast. I really like the cast in this movie uh, and and Rick Yoon, uh, who, <laughs> who uh, uh, Rick Yoon to me it brings movies down a notch. So it's like it really and, and as you said, he's really he's a bland villain. He doesn't do anything to make him. He's not really like an ultra smart villain either. It's no, just, he just kicks people. He doesn't have like <laughs> he doesn't have like huge master plan. But at the same time, it's it's somewhat. Later, when Gerard Butler kind of digs a little deeper, it's kind of somewhat all just laced in vanity. Yeah. And I don't really understand that aspect of it at all, which is like, okay, well, I guess you you would never go out like that. Um, But I I kept on referring back to, like, after the movie, I was just like, uh, I was referring back to Fast and the Fierce. I was like, you've disgraced your family. He's he's just as bland there. Uh, But but as far as the rest of the cast goes, um, yeah, they don't, not a lot of them get a bunch to do. Like, I mean, I said Robert Forrester already, just that he's just there to naysay. Angela Bass is just there to kind of spur on. But it's like, he's, he's the right man, damn it. we got to give him more time. She's got a haircut. That's true. Yeah. Cole Hauser's there just to say the line, the title of the movie and have, like, some kind of <laughs> – he like, they needed someone that's, like, not crazy big star but just, like, has enough to be like, oh, okay, he said the title of the movie. And he's, yeah, he looks, he's important because I've seen him in other movies before. Like, I feel bad because Cole Hauser has been in another film that we reviewed earlier this year, and he also is dispatched in that movie. Uh, but at least he's getting he's getting speaking lines, right? He's getting speaking roles, I should say. Yeah. He can so pay the rent. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because otherwise, if he was just like, oh, look, there's Cole Hauser in the back, then be like, oh, man, I really feel for that guy. But he's he's got some lines to say, and, you know. But and uh, Aaron Eckhart, he's just kind of captured the whole movie. I mean, he doesn't. He's a he's a pretty lame president, actually. He doesn't do a whole lot. He's angry. He's a, he's just really oh. angry. But but I will say, I did like Morgan Freeman in this movie. I don't know why I need to say that like as a surprise, but I do think Morgan Freeman, as much as I like him and think he has a good authority over things, I think he tried in this movie. I don't think he just relied on the fact that he's Morgan Freeman competent. I think he had a mix of being concerned as well as having that kind of confidence in his voice that. Well, worked well. What I that what I liked about Morgan Freeman in this film, yeah, he didn't have as much to do as I would expect. Is that you come into a movie where Morgan Freeman is basically playing the acting president, and you're expecting him to be wise and all knowing and know all the answers, and he's not. He actually doesn't really know what to do for most of the movie, and you can see that, and, and you can see that he knows that. You and, know, this I mean, is this is not you know 
arguably he was elected Speaker of the House because he was a politician, et cetera, et cetera. Now he's put in a, you know, a very different position. Not only is he the president, he's doing the kind of situation that only a president would have to do. Yeah. Um, and he's not trained for it. Yeah. I will say, yep. Melissa Leo, <laughs> bad things happen to her, and it's upsetting. But I do think she gives it her all with this performance. Yes, like she's she came to she came to play, and she came to. I don't know how the role was written originally, if whether or not it was written for a woman or it was written for somebody. And Melissa Leo happened to get the part. But I like the fact that Melissa Leo is in this part. It, it does emphasize the dark R rating that this movie has. But it she she does she doesn't come there to just. Be one thing. She comes there. Right. She really she, she puts her she puts her effort into it, and I think that's noticeable. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to what you and Scott had said earlier, where basically the the violence is it has it has it, it takes everybody, which is to say, like you know, Melissa Lee puts in a she puts in an effort in in a you know her particular time on the screen when she's in a particular perilous situation. But yeah, it, it doesn't really say like, oh, well, she's a woman. We're not going to go there. It's just more like. It is undiscriminatory, so it's just yeah. It I like that about it, but at the same time, man, I just felt bad. <laughs> yeah, but um. So and, uh, I would also like to. Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go, you go. I, was, I, I did want to point out that I found it weird how they were uh, putting you know the military like the flashing screen signs of who this person is and what their role is earlier. It kind of makes sense toward the end, um, but I just felt as though I don't. I, at that particular time in the movie, I was just curious as to, like, what's the tone of the film? I don't know why they're doing this. Um, because but it, I did find it... Because it gets away minutes of having someone explain exactly who they are in exposition. So it's just like, here you that's, go. That's true. It's not like, hey, I can't believe that you're now the Speaker of the House after that election. A, Speaker of the House. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's just flashing. Or, or like, geez, I can't believe you've got to be hired to be my Secret Service training officer. Like, I don't need any of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. But I did, oh. I did like how the cabinet was, like, super diverse. Yeah, like, you had a, secret, like, what was vice president? Secretary of Defense was a woman. Vice, like, vice president. Vice president like, Martinez or Latino. whatever. Latino, yeah. Rodriguez. Um, Charlie, Rod- Rodriguez. Charlie Rodriguez. Charlie Rodriguez. Yeah. Phil Austin. It's like, oh, that's random. Who, who, I don't, oh. did he have, did he have a line in this movie? <laughs> like, Not that I recall. I remember him being around. I think, I think he shakes it, he nods his head in agreement, yeah. and then that's it. That's good, and then he gets, you know, vice, he's done. Good vice president. Um, yeah. Um, Let's talk a little. No, can we, can we talk? No, go, Scott, ahead. go ahead. Go, Scott. No, no. I just, you know, just in further thoughts. You know, I, I, it's sort of you know the, the sheer violence of the film. It's one of those situations where, at what point does this film no longer, you know, at what point is a plausible happy ending no longer possible? Where we sort of roll our eyes at to what extent there is a feel good conclusion because Jesus, what you know, theoretically we, the country, whatever, just went through. And just kind of, you know, oh, it's okay because X, Y, and Z didn't occur. It, it's weird how, um, how it tries to balance that out, too, because you start out where it does feel like a no-win scenario just because of how yeah. violent everything is. Yeah. But then you get, as the movie goes on, the stakes get, like, ridiculously high. So there's no possible yeah. conclusion other than a happy ending because you're like, well, clearly this isn't going to happen. So yes. it has to be solved <laughs> in some way, probably involving a, a, a countdown clock in some manner. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, and that's the interesting thing. If you, if you look back on the movie, I'm going to be vague here because I don't want to spoil anything. Gerard Butler really doesn't do anything to stop what the terrorists are already planning to do throughout the entirety of the movie. Up until the very end of the film, in which a new variable is introduced that he can swoop in at the last minute and attempt to stop. So you guys were talking about how not very you know useful he was is because up to a point after he basically does the first thing they ask him to do, which I guess is a spoiler, 
you know, the nothing that the terrorists want to do, they are not prevented from doing really anything that they want to do because Gerard Butler showed up. He's not really a fly in the ointment. He's just the guy that, you know, kills off the men they really didn't care about anyway. Yeah, he really doesn't he doesn't take away their detonators at any point. No. He just kind of No, he doesn't take away their detonators. <laughs> he doesn't uh help the hostages parachute out of the airplane. He doesn't you yell know. mission accomplished. Well, mission yeah, exactly. Fun. He doesn't drive a cab through Pennsylvania Avenue. <laughs> yeah. Um and and yeah, obviously the film is, especially if taken at its value, incredibly xenophobic and jingoistic. Yeah. I mean, almost yeah. comically so. There's three like key shots of the flag. One's the flag's up yeah. and America's great. The next is the flag <laughs> is riddled in like, bullets and falls to the ground. Then the flag's back up again because we won because we're America. Yeah. And you know, even the line right toward the end where you know the, their celebration is the Middle East. It's like that wasn't necessary. That really wasn't necessary, guys. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it's again, if the film is really intended to just be a goofy, you know, B movie, perhaps with a sly wink and a nod, you know, I guess that's okay. I guess, you know, I guess I'm almost concerned of how seriously people are going to take this. And um, it's funny because it has that music where it's very, it's, yeah. it's a lot like Air Force One music where it's just like, here yeah. we go. Let's just, let's just pump it up. Let's just go to 11 yeah. on this and just make sure that everyone knows that, yeah, the hero's here. Oh, no, that's the bad guy. Like, it's very obvious in what he's trying to do. And, w- and like, there were claps at our screening. I wouldn't be surprised if there's claps at other screenings of, like, yeah, Gerard no, yes, no. Butler, American. He did, American Gerard Jer- Butler. He did it, guys. During that fight, there was a – uh, there was like there's a lot of tension building, and so like uh, I just shouted out in the theater, USA, and people just started laughing and clapping because like, <laughs> I, li- I like that you was... apparently yell at your theater quite often. That makes me my, happy. I, yeah, my theater was just like really like you know it's kind of an older demographic. So I was like, I think people should be okay with hooping and hollering during this particular time. So I'm glad that I started. Old, an older crowd was happier with you just yelling out and screaming. Yes. <laughs> I would love that, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I think comparatively, you know, Air Force One at least implicitly acknowledges the political gray areas of its premise, as well as the moral gray areas of the premise. I mean, at the end of the day, Air Force One is at least somewhat asking how many people should die so the president, this you know, this regular guy that happens to have been elected into a position, can live. I actually, I, well, I, I watched Air Force One last night to do my homework for the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, just say. Um, oh, no, no, it, I, I watched it recently because I wanted to write a piece on it, and you know this film has no such you know depth to it. I mean, right. there's one offhand line about oh the bad guy's mother got killed by an American landmine or something silly like that, but really none of the none of the bad guys are given any real three dimensional motivation whatsoever. In fact, I love and again I really want to reveal who, what character I'm talking about, but I don't want to. I won't, but there's a certain villainous character that spouts off their motivation, and it's like a two-year-old spouting off buzzwords he learned on CNN. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, that guy was great in this movie. Oh yeah, it was, I mean, looks it, good, uh, and he like you know did he did he did his job very very well. It, uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> he entertained me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he thought he was in a, you know, I think he believed that he was in a campier, more pulpier movie than everybody else did. Yeah, because the movie, t- the movie does take itself deadly serious. Yeah. And like, yeah. He, um, he's one of the few things that kind of stands out as, like, he's a little bit on the old campier side than the rest yeah. of the movie is. 
And but, um, to your point about you know the whole entire notion of you know you're not really too sure what the motives of this villain is. It, there's a line later in the movie too where he where you know some missiles might be going off and he's just like. I want you guys to feel the famine and the, yes. the hunger of like, and I was like, what, what, where is this coming from? Where is yeah. this, where was it earlier when you wanted to like prove your point to the U S why you're doing this? It's yes. like, this is a very fleeting moment. And then the next second, it's just like Gerard Bartler steps in the room and it's like, it's over. <laughs> so oh. yeah, there's not a whole lot of motivation, not a whole lot of character stuff where you feel, Oh, well this is why they did it. And obviously if the president, Aaron Eckhart, hadn't said, I want the South Korean premier to be with me in the bunker, none of this would have happened. Yeah, yes, they, absolutely their, right. Their plan was they conting- say, that's against protocol. Their, 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 yeah. their plan was contingent on, like, two things that did not yeah, get to happen. Sir, that's against protocol, twice. And, and, like, and, nope. and, of course, there was the butler factor, Q Scott line. But there's one thing they didn't count on. <laughs> <laughs> so of course that really messed things up eventually. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, I think we've sufficiently talked about Olympus has fallen or OHF. I, I'm, I'm going to use that line if we ever talk about you know to the wonder or something like that too. <laughs> <laughs> ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Exactly. Ben Affleck. But there's one thing he didn't count on. And then there's Rachel McAdams. Yeah. I, I believe she's cut from the entire movie actually. No. Oh, um, never mind. Terrence Malick's editing process is so confusing. <laughs> this fall. So let's get to our review for Olympus Has Fallen. Each week in Out Now, Fair and Abe, we try to rate our movies based on when you go and see them. We have our scale that goes from IMAX to theater to dollar theater, Netflix, HBO, TV, or forget about it. Thank God this movie is not in 3D because that would be dark and nauseating. <laughs> yes. Scott Mendelson, where would you put Olympus Fallen on that rating scale? Um, If you're a film nerd, I'd say theater because it does have a lot of big scale action, especially in that first act. But if you're just somebody that doesn't run out to see everything that comes out, I would say wait for DVD because after that first act, there's not a lot of big, you know, quote unquote, big screen spectacle to behold. True. Ape? I'd say Dollar Theater. Uh, I think that it's certainly something that you can see with a large audience, especially if like they were kind of really into the movie as well. Uh, but yeah, you don't have to pay like full price to go see it. Yeah, I'm right with you, Abe. Everything you just said. Cool. All right, so that's our film review for Olympus as well. Let's do a little movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. This is where we discuss a couple films that relate in some way to the main feature of the week. And I will start off, because i got some obvious ones like Die Hard and Air Force One, as we mentioned, which I did. What? <laughs> which I did. <laughs> I did watch Air Force One last night, and I that movie's fun. That's a fun movie. But William H. Macy gets, like, the most sad, the saddest death in that movie. <laughs> like, yeah. like he, he does so many good things throughout the movie, and he just gets casually knocked off. because Mainly because they just ran out of time. So it's just like, all right. Well, because the way they set up the movie, if he doesn't get murdered, then the president has to leave him behind, which is horrible. It is, but it's like, ah. Uh, uh, it's, yeah. it's like they're, they they forgot about Macy, and they're like, oh, he's still here. Okay, I guess we have to have our, yeah. our mole kill this person. So that kind of upset me. <laughs> Uh, murder at 1600 came to mind just because I was thinking about the, the secret underground parts of the White House in that movie and this movie having secret chambers and things like that. And uh, Salt, because both these movies, oh. both Salt and this movie have kind of a ridiculously high stakes moment where I'm like, I that's very Bond-like of you. Thanks for that. So yeah, that's what I had. Abe? Um, if it had gone that direction where I was talking about earlier with a certain character, I would have said Man on Fire. Uh, Taken, uh, The Rock. <laughs> the Rock, yeah. Yeah, The Raid, and uh, TV's Archer. 
<laughs> Scott? Bad proof. Well, obviously, you know, Die Hard. And, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record because I talk about this a lot. But it did remind me, more than I was expecting, of those, you know, straight-to-VHS Die Hard ripoffs that I'm always ranting about from the 90s. Mm. In that, yeah. it was kind of cheap. In that, the body count was just almost morally inexcusable. And usually in those movies, because they couldn't afford big special effects, so they just kill off as many extras as humanly possible in relatively cheap ways. Um, so, yeah, you know, no contest. Uh, chain of command where Roy Schreider plays the president as one of the hostages who gets killed at the end of the movie after accidentally nuking, you know. Anyway, it's a very violent picture. Wait, wait. Um, He's the president that plays the hostage that plays the villain? What? No, no, no. He is one of the hostages. He's the president, uh-huh. and it's it's such a violent film that he gets killed at the end. Oh, oh okay, gotcha, gotcha, okay. It's like um, failsafe with more hostages. Yes. Okay. Actually, it's surprisingly similar to that, believe it or not. Um, and it, it, it kind of reminded me, actually, in a weird way, of Salt and Patriot Games and, and Philip Noyce's movies, if I pronounce that man's yeah. name correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that there is often one or two scenes of just really casually brutal violence. Mm-hmm. You know, even in his, you know, PG-13 films like Salt and, you know, Clear and Present Danger. And with, you know, Patriot Games, the violence in that, in that film is just really brutal and bloody and cavalier. Um, and frankly, a lot of Anton Fuqua's films are as well. Yeah, he's stuck, they, he's, oh, he's stuck, yeah. He's stuck yeah, to his guns in terms of being a, yeah. like, his, his movies I mean, are, besides King Arthur, which was like a, just a cut to, it was cut up to be PG-13. Yeah. All of his movies are R-rated and tend yeah. to be, you know, very violent. Oh. Yeah, there's a certain cruelty to his violence. I mean, even something that, you know, theoretically lightweight like bait, bait, you know, opens with two bank guards getting executed at point blank range. Sure, true. Um, and then, you know, later on, there's, you know, a, one of the good guys is kidnapped and, you know, strapped to a chair and blown up. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, the Die Hard films, Air Force One, you know, those kind of pictures. Um, and of course, it really reminded me of White House Down. Uh, it's just sort of a, a cheaper, lower budget, you know, sort of a B movie version of White House Down. <laughs> Which and it, it, we're still uncertain if this is the better of the White House movies. It would have been. I would be shocked if even if White House Down is R-rated, which I don't think it's going to be. See Tate's. I mean, I mean, it's it's. I don't see that happening if it's as expensive as everybody said. You know, if it's the more bigger budget version, but I can't imagine it being more violent than this. I just can't. That's true. Roland Emmerich does have a lot more fun with his movies. Yeah. Um, uh, um, I'm surprised that we didn't get the White House Down trailer this week. <laughs> this is well, it's interesting because, you know, <laughs> Sony actually, whether it was because of some kind of mutual agreement or something, they didn't, you know, unless you're in the know, you wouldn't even know that White House Down is coming out. You really don't. Yeah, That's true. Yeah, really, you know. yeah. Very yeah. nice about not doing that. You know, they could have released the trailer to this last weekend just to screw with people. Well, I think Unless it, they're going to do it during the G.I. Joe push. Yeah. I, well, I think it could work. <laughs> I, I, I think it could both work and backfire because you'd be like, didn't we just see this movie versus does this look, make the movie look better? Like, it'll go either way. Yeah. So. But uh, um, you brought up you brought up Philip Noyce, and actually that's interesting because I I was reading something about Clear and Present Danger on the Air Force One trivia yesterday while I was watching it. And apparently, Clear and Present Danger was rated R, but Harrison Ford made an appeal at the MPAA and got it turned over to BPG-13. Because that's a pretty hard PG-13. Yeah. It doesn't surprise me. He tried the same thing for Air Force One, and it was not successful. They're like, you're kidding, right? Because that movie's really violent. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, I remember <laughs> when he was doing press that he was really upset that it didn't get a PG-13. And when I saw the movie, I'm like, y- you're kidding, right? There's a lot of blood. <laughs> it's a very bloody and violent picture. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, I'm about to get into a question that you don't care about, so carry on. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so let's go over the box office. Each week we try to go over the box office and find out if our previous predictions were anywhere near what the actuals were. 
And we were kind of all over last week. Abe, do you remember what you went for? I think I said, uh, let's see there, I think I said third place. I don't know. You said I third, can't I, this, but third place. I love the idea of Abe trying to, try to remember what he predicted for the box office. That's a, that's a, fun, yeah. that's a fun game in itself. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> predicted third place of 13 million. Mark, 13. Mark, okay. Mark Hoban predicted third place of 18 million. Marcus, don't say I love Beast of the Southern Wild. Uh, Robinson said second place was 20 million. I, I lowballed it. I said fourth place of nine million. I forgot how patriotic everybody is when movies about the White House come out apparently, <laughs> because Olympus has fallen, knocked it out with second place with thirty million dollars. Wow. Um, so, I, yeah. So Marcus is our de facto winner, I guess. Yeah. But uh, Scott, you want to go over what happened with Olympus has fallen at the box office this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it did quote unquote overperform. Um, I mean, in my, you know, my opinion, rank is immaterial. What it makes is what it makes. But it did $30.5 million. That's the estimate. Uh, $30 million. Uh, an original R-rated action film generally do not open to that much money unless they're directed by Quentin Tarantino these days. Um, in fact, offhand, this is the – if you don't count Quentin Tarantino films, although it opened to more than uh, a little bit more than Django and Jane anyway um, – this is one of the biggest original R-rated action openings since Wanted back in 2008, which opened to $50 million um, in June of 2008. Since then, you've had uh, J- uh, you know, Glorious Bastards with 37, arguably The Book of Eli with 32, what about, uh, which isn't really an action film, but it was advertised as one. What about uh, District 9? I, is that, I, I was debating that. Is that more of a science, science fiction picture? Yeah, I guess it's not really an action movie, so. per se. It's not, I mean, it's, it, has, um, it has action in it. But that, I mean, that opened pretty big. But, but yeah, no, I, I, know, I know what you're saying. In terms of like an straight-up yeah, yeah. action movie, yeah, Wanted, I guess, yeah. would be the best example of it. Yeah. Um, and that is a very good thing that happened this weekend. Because as everybody's noticed, we've had a lot of R-rated action films come out this year, and pretty much they've all tanked badly. Yeah. Very bad. I mean yeah. – I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but it's quite possible that Olympus has fallen with $30 million, has already outgrossed the combined totals of Parker, Bullet in the Head, and uh, Last Last Dance. While the terrible, but it's a sequel, so it'll open well anyway, Die Hard 5 did $25 million as part of its three-day weekend. So this, you know, just Friday to Sunday, made more than Die Hard 5, or Good Day to Die Hard, whatever you call it. so yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's a perfect example of what I'm always talking about, what I've been talking about a lot lately, which is that in this marketplace, you need stars and you need concepts. If you have just the concept, you get Jack the Giant, Giant Slayer, which has no stars, so nobody wants to see it. If you have just stars, you get admission, which basically it was advertised as Tina Fey and Paul Rudd in generic romantic comedy, and nobody went because nobody knew what it was about. Um, but this, you had... You know, you could argue whether Gerard Butler is an opener or not. Um, I think, again, in the right project, he is a name. Um, you add a crapload of recognizable actors. Morgan Freeman, Angela Bassett, um, Aaron Eckhart, uh, um, Gerard Butler, obviously. Um, Rick Hughes. Yes, yes, Rick Hughes, <laughs> of course. Ash, 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 not potential Hughes. nominee, Ashley Judd. Yes. Uh, pocketing however much he made for a Mitch McConnell uh, Defeat Mitch McConnell fund in 2014. So let this be known, Red Staters, if you went to see Olympus Has Fallen uh, this weekend because you thought it was some kind of linguistic rah-rah-rah American film, you've just contributed to Ashley Judd's Kick Mitch McConnell's Ass Campaign Fund. Mazel tov. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, no, it, it, it costs $70 million to make, so it's going to be very profitable. Um, I would think a movie like this is going to do very well overseas, perhaps not well, very well in North Korea. 
But uh, very well in South Korea, though. Um, probably. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, but in all seriousness, you know, it's probably going to do about $100 million. Um, we got an A minus from Cinema Score. It had a solid three multiplier for the weekend. It did ten million for the for Friday and thirty million for the weekend. Um, there's not that much more to say about it other than again, for an R-rated action picture, a straight action picture, this is a pretty big debut. And I think now, you know, White House Down has its work cut out for it. You know, is it now if it only opens to thirty, thirty-five million, is it going to be seen as a disappointment because it's the bigger picture? It's a similar situation that that Armageddon found itself in when actually it actually opened to less over its three-day weekend than Deep Impact did two, you know, a month and a half later, mm. or two months later in the summer of '98. Well, now, of course, Deep Armageddon eventually outgrows Deep Impact overall, but that's neither here nor there. Well, uh, um, White House Down does have uh, Magic Mike and Django, so you know we'll see how that. Yes. We'll see how that plays out. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that would be a big deal. And um, and uh, and uh, Rachel Rachel Dawes. So. Rachel Dawes in that movie? Yeah, Ma- Ma- Maggie. Which one? Ma- Maggie Maggie, G- Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. you Rachel Dawes. Okay. Um, Rachel Dawes 2.0. <laughs> Woman in refrigerator version. Um, no, I I don't have much more to say about the box office from there. All right. Uh, do we want to talk about the other movies or no? Yeah, you can. Not really. I don't really. Now, the the crew made a lot of money. There you go. Yeah. yeah Dream, DreamWorks is saved, right, Scott? <laughs> well, I would argue it was never in any danger in the first place, yeah. but that's. Go on my site, read my essay about that. Yeah. Okay, so cool. let's. Uh, let's Actually, what, what time is it? Oh, Aaron, I think that we have some time for some games, yeah? Yes. Oh, Olympus might have fallen, but your skills did not, sir. Damn straight. Okay, I have a new game. I like I like this game. I'm excited. It's called. It teased me earlier. It's called Which Made More Dough or WMMDs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, I do realize this is the tenth anniversary of the Iraq invasion, right? There you go. So this, yeah. this game, <laughs> this game. I have a series of two movies versus each other, and you have to tell me which one you think made more dough at the box office, domestically without inflation. Is it a uh, shouted out game, or is it a? It's a shouted out way to side with one or the other, and you know the, oh. the winner is right. I mean, two people could potentially win the same one. Uh, I like that Scott might be really good at this because he knows box office, but I've, I've chosen some obscure ones. All of them relate in some way to either hostage or terrorist movies, so that's kind of okay. that's kind of the theme of this. But uh, so I'm just gonna name I'm gonna name two movies and one of them made more than the other and you have to say, say which one. Here we go. Here's the first one. Phone booth or the negotiator. Negotiator. Phone booth. Phone booth made more money. Forty six million versus thirty four million. Oh, that's right. Negotiator only opened to ten. Never mind. Carry who's, on. who's in the negotiator? Was that Kevin Spacey? Kevin Spacey yeah. and Sam Jackson. Okay. Gotcha. F. Gary Gray. Very similar to Anton Fuqua. <laughs> <laughs> I like F. Gary Gray. <laughs> he made Friday. Um, John Q or the Taking of Pelham one two three. Both Denzel Washington movies. Ooh, Taking of Pelham one two three. John Q. Ooh. Well, I know the other one because he already said the other one. So yeah, John Q. <laughs> you can choose either one. It doesn't matter. You, you could you could both um, be wrong. You could both be right. I think John Q was surprisingly. I think he did like seventy. I think probably only did sixty six. That could be mistaken. You're very you're very, on, you're very on target with that, Scott. John Q made <laughs> seventy one million. Pelham made sixty five million. Wow! Wait, opening weekend or this is total? No, this no, is no, total, no. This total. is total domestic run. Like seventy, 
million. To- total John Q opened with about 20, and Pelham opened with 25. These are all total domestic runs. Okay, so here gotcha. we go. Here's the next one. Swimming with Sharks or Suicide Kings? Oh, crap. Uh, um, swimming with Sharks. I don't know. Swimming with Sharks. Suicide Kings, mm. 1.7 versus Swimming with Sharks, <laughs> 382,000. <laughs> oh. Yay. So I'm on the board. We're all tied. How good is that? <laughs> Here we go. Here's the next one. Collateral versus speed. I'm going to say collateral. Speed. Speed is the correct answer. Speed made 121 million. Collateral made just over 100, 101. Oh. Air Force One versus True Lies. Air Force True One. Lies. Air Force One is the correct answer. <laughs> Air Force One. 171 versus 146. Yeah, that's about right. Here we go. This one might be easy. Clear and present danger. Versus Patriot Games. Clear and present danger. Clear and present danger. Clear and present danger made 122. Patriot Games made 83. I just repeated after Scott because I didn't know. Here we go. <laughs> passenger 57 versus Executive Decision. Oh, Passenger 57, baby. Um, what? <laughs> oh. I know Passenger 57 made about 50 million bucks. I don't remember how much Executive Decision made. I know it opened to about 16. Uh, executive decision. Abe, normally I'd say always bid on black, but Passenger 57 <laughs> only made 44, while for executive decision made 56 million. <laughs> That's his line in that movie. <laughs> That's the, I'm like, I've never heard you say that at all. <laughs> That's the Wesley Snipes line in that movie, always bid on black. Here we go, next one. Uh, Peacemaker versus Collateral Damage. Oh, uh, they both... Kinda didn't do that well. Damage. Um, okay, collateral damage. I would do about. They both opened to about twelve million dollars. Um, okay, movies had more legs back in '97, so I'm just in a peacemaker. The peacemaker made forty-one million. Collateral damage made forty million. Yes. Just edged it Ran out. It. This is why I had to do it so close because Scott would be very good at this. <laughs> Here we go. The last one. Team America: World Police. Who provided music for this podcast episode versus United ninety three? Team America, World Police. Yeah, Ooh, Team America. That's, that's a that's a that's a good question though. They both opened to about ten. Team America. I'm forgetting uh, the I'm forgetting the whole entire notion of you know nationalism. Team America, World yeah, Police yeah. made thirty two million. United ninety three made thirty one million. Oh. Okay. So I'm going to add up the totals here. It's not very hard. Scott Mendelson, you won this game. <laughs> That's how you play WMMD. Oh, made more dough. Which, which made more dough? WMMD. Very uh, clever. I like, I like that game. I like that game. That's good. I, we, could, we, we could mix that up easily throughout the show, just do different kind of what movie we're reviewing and movies that are similar. <laughs> okay. It, it's sad. Some of those, especially like the – you know, the 90s and early 2000s, I know the exact grosses for them. Yep. Some of them, not so much. All right. What do you mean, you're going to win that category in Jeopardy. <laughs> the, the Witch Made War category. They don't have that category on Jeopardy. Not yet, but I'll write into Alex. Me and him are tight. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Out Now presents What's Out Now. Lots of new Blu-rays and DVDs come out every week, and some of them are movies that we reviewed on this show. And we got a few here, so just say yay or nay when I mention these titles. Lincoln comes out this week. Yay. yay. Killing Them Softly comes out this week. 
Yay. More people should check that out. I really hope that that It really should. Scores, that cinema score F is incorrect. I hope that scores some money in the in the rental category and stuff. Um, a Royal Affair comes out. Didn't see it. Eh, I didn't see it either. Yet Abe voted for it in the Academy Award race. <laughs> he thought it would be a more and a best foreign film Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> I know Mark Johnson saw it, and he was a big fan of it, so there you go. Uh, the Collection. I saw this movie. I like it. I did not. It, for for horror fans uh, that like a kind of a fun house horror ride, it's, I think it's worth checking out. I will rent. Okay. Uh, let's see. Next, okay, so that brings us to next week. Next week's show, we're going to talk about G.I. Joe Retaliation. Cobra! <laughs> this is, of course, the sequel to G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra, picking up where the last one left off by killing most of the cast and recruiting Dwayne Johnson and Bruce Willis. Hopefully he cares in this movie. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Did you on vacation? That's the biggest question. I'm on vacation! Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how well Bruce Willis does in this one. But uh, regardless, that movie's going to probably make some money. So let's try to predict some box office for it. What did the first G.I. Joe open to, Scott? You know, offhand? Uh, 56-ish. 56-ish. 54. And that's before 3D in the yes. summer. So this one could open to either above that or below that. Probably below that. We'll see. I don't know exactly. But anyway. The other question is, is this coming out like Memorial Day weekend? No. No, it's coming out the end of March. But this kind of time frame tends to work no. for these guys. And also, is it coming out with something else? Uh, not really. Is anything else coming out next weekend? Just the oh, the host, the host, the host. But I mean, have you seen any working for the host? No, I mean, I only because we happen to watch Pretty Little Liars. I, I, yeah, and it feels like that's geared toward a different audience anyway. Yeah, but that said, it still could take a sizable chunk of the box office next weekend. But I'm not sure compared to something like a Twilight movie, even though this is from the writer of Twilight. Yeah, and those, I don't know. And those Andrew Nickel joints always score big at the box office, right, guys? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's Saoirse Ronan. She just sets the world on fire every time she comes out with a new movie. So, how much did the Cruise make this week? The Cruise made forty-four million. Forty-four. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to say GI Joe will be first then, and I'm going to go big. I'm going to say fifty million. Fifty million first place numbers. All right, way to go big, Scott. Thoughts? Well, adjusted for inflation, the first one would have done about fifty-nine million dollars. So with 3D, et cetera, et cetera, add another twenty percent, assuming it plays the same audience. I'm thinking 60. I mean, it has, you know, the general audiences aren't going to care about the behind-the-scenes reshoots, the 3D conversion, whether Channing Tatum was brought back in or not, or anything like that. They're going to say, hey, look, it's another G.I. Joe movie. I kind of like the last one. I'll go see it. Right. See, I think it's going to do about as well as the last one did. All right. Well, I'll stick right in the middle. I'll say it does $55 million in its opening week. <laughs> so we got a, we got a range here. We'll see who does. We'll see who comes out on top and who comes out swimming with the with the sharks of Kevin Spacey, making only three hundred eighty two thousand dollars at the box office. All of that. That's a sad story. Uh, so yeah, well, uh, GI Joe is only ninety nine minutes long. I've heard okay. I've heard I've heard different things about the running time of GI Joe, so I don't oh. I don't know what to think anymore. <laughs> as long I do as, remember that as long I do remember that blissful time two years ago when we thought Transformers three was going to be ninety nine minutes long. Oh my like, god! Yes, they finally get us. Like, oh, no, wait, two and a half hours again. Yep. Yeah, I just hope there's as much ninja angst in this movie as there was in the first G.I. Joe movie. With yeah. great flashback sequences right in the middle of action sequences. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I hope all this. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, those are our thoughts. So that's uh, that's going to do it this week for Out Now, Farron and Abe. Uh, God, we had so much fun this episode. Uh, <laughs> you can find more. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. You can find my, all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for all our Blu-ray reviews. Uh, and you can also find me at Twitter at twitter.com/slash Aaron's PS3. Abe, 
can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Scott Mendelson. Mendelson's Memos. I publish elsewhere, Huffington Post, Valley City Magazine, etc. But just go to Mendelson's Memos. It's the easiest thing to do. All right. You can find all the other episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on iTunes and at hhwlod.com. You can find our show there along with all the other shows on the network, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, which is winding down because – well, not winding down, but just going to be less frequent because the season's about to end. And I enjoyed I enjoyed oh, contributing that to that. I, I enjoyed contributing to the Walking Dead TV podcast because they're a bunch of fun guys over there. Uh, no, let's see, com. Most of the newest episodes are there and some exclusives. Uh, there will be a new one, a new exclusive episode coming up very soon, actually featuring myself and Maxwell Haddad, friend of the show. Out Now YouTube page. YouTube.com slash Out Now Podcast, where you can catch the main reviews if you don't want to listen to any of the segments. Out Now Podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to write in. You send us your thoughts on what Olympus has fallen. The, the, the political turmoil that Gerard Butler finds himself caught up in during this whole Rick Yoon escapade. Thoughts on the G.I. Joe movies, the commentary we did perhaps, or even contribute, contribute to our Skyfall contest. I mean, that's that's just winning a free movie for writing. I mean, that, out, that's just simple. And, Unopened movie this time, too. I know. It's a brand, brand, brand <laughs> yeah. spanking new Skyfall Blu-ray. Yeah, sometimes it's a DVD that Aaron's reviewed, but that just makes it even more collectible, right? There's, there's, damn. Uh, Facebook, Facebook.com slash OutNowPodcast, Twitter.com slash OutNow underscore podcast. You can like and follow those pages, and you'll be able to follow along with all of us and contribute to our, you know, our random questions we ask during the week because we like reading our listeners' thoughts on the show because we like having an interactive show. It's fun to do. That's going to do it for now. So thanks, Scott, for coming on, joining us. Always a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Until next time, so long. The balcony is closed. Oh, and, and goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but there's one thing we didn't count on. Close your mind. Close your eyes. See what's your heart. How do you forgive the murderer of your father? The ink of a scholar is worth a thousand times more. Then the blood of a mom. Uh, we came through the storm. Nooses on our necks and a smallpox blanket to keep us warm. On a 747 on the Pentagon lawn. Wake up, the alarm clock is connected to a bomb. Anthrax lab on a West Virginia farm. Shorty ain't learn to walk, already heavily armed. Civilians and little children is especially harmed. Camouflage Taurus, Bibles and glorious Qurans. The books that take you to heaven and let you meet the Lord there. Have become misinterpreted reasons for warfare. We read them with blind eyes, I guarantee you there's more there. Rich must be blind, cause they ain't see the poor there. Need to open up a park, just close 10 schools, we don't need them. Can you please call the fire department, they down here marching for freedom. Burn down ATPs, turn ATVs on the teacher, let's move. The more money that they make, the more money that they make, the better and better they live. Whatever they want to take, whatever they want to take, whatever, whatever it is. The more that you want to learn, the more that you try to learn, the better and better it gets. Oh. Ashley Judd's like, thanks, Mike. We're coming. And oh, here's a present. <laughs> and Ashley Judd's like, no, I'm dying. And, and then Eric, and then, and then Eric, like, for me, no. <laughs>